0: man went to his doctor's appointment to uh, review his uh, test that he had recently had done. And the doctor says, uh, well, sir, he says, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. He says, the good news is, you've only got 48 hours to live. The man's eyes bug out. He says, what in the world is the bad news? He says, I got these results two days ago. <laughs> Paul says, I got good news and I got bad news in the scripture we're going to look at here today. And so I invite you to open your Bibles, the book of Acts chapter 27, where we'll find that news. Last week when we left Paul and Luke and Aristarchus, we left them in a bit of a bind. They were uh, having Um, quite a time of it. They had set out from Caesarea, over here on the bank of the Mediterranean, and Paul is on his way to Rome so that his case can be heard by the emperor. But their trip hasn't gone too well so far. Already in this chapter, Luke tells us that the winds were against them, and twice he uses the word difficulty to describe what their progress has been like. After stopping up here at Myra and changing ships, they sailed down to Fair Havens on the lower side of Crete before making the fateful mistake of trying to head 40 miles west to spend the winter at Phoenix. Uh, not the one in Arizona. That would be a little bit further. Well, Paul warned them not to do it. They did it anyway, and as they did that, A fierce storm blew down from the island, threw them out to sea, and then a hurricane took over and golfed their ship for the next two weeks. By the time we catch up with these guys today, they've already thrown the cargo overboard. They've shown the, they've thrown the ship's tackle overboard. They lowered either the sea anchor or the mainsail and they tied their ship together with ropes. They better hope their insurance is paid up. Right, Matt? (laughs) Better hope they've got their ship insurance all taken care of. Well, as we left them last week, we found out in verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued to rage, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So these folks really, Do not expect to make it out of this alive. Would you? At that point? So with all of this in mind, let's rejoin them in the middle of their horrendous storm. If you're able, I invite you to stand and hold on to something so you don't get seasick. As we read from Acts chapter number 27, I'll begin reading with verse number 21. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Keep your Bibles open this morning. God... I need your help today as I speak this word. I pray for the presence and the help of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that as the word is shared and preached, that we might be edified, that we might be sanctified, and Father, that you might be glorified. Do this work in us right now, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. So everybody on board has gone a long time without food. Why do you reckon that is? Now They couldn't hold anything down anyway. It was pretty pretty rough seas. Everybody's been seasick. There's probably not much food left anyway. And like Gilligan, they were only planning a three-hour trip to the end of the island before the endless nightmare began. And there's no professor on board to solve everything, right? But there is Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul Paul now takes center stage. He starts off by telling them, I told you so. If only you had followed my advice before we left, we would now be sipping root beer back in Fairhaven. (laughs) But no, you had to do what you had to do, didn't you? You had to listen to the experts. Look where that has gotten us. No, it doesn't really sound like he's trying to rub it in, but he did mention it, perhaps in order that they would pay more attention to him now. And what he has to say next is certainly worth listening to. He said, not one of you will be lost. Now, remember back in verse 20, they had just given up all hope hope. Oh, the storm is still raging. The ship is still rocking. It's still quaking. It's still cracking. But none will be lost, Paul said. The ship will be, however. Paul, how do you know that? Well, he says, last night I had a visitor. An angel from my God came and assured me of three things. Number one... He said, don't be afraid. Have you ever noticed that whenever God's people are doing God's work, God always says, don't be afraid. Amen? Over and over and over and over again. Old Testament, New Testament, don't be afraid. But if you're not working with God, if you're not serving Him and honoring Him, the message is exactly the opposite. Be very afraid. The message to Paul was, don't be afraid. Number two... Paul would not only make it to Rome, but he would appear before Caesar for his trial. So although Luke doesn't include that in his book of Acts, we know that it happened because God promised that it would. And many, in fact, church historians have told us that it did. What God promises, God delivers. Amen? Number three. God is sparing everyone who is with you, Paul. Only for Paul's sake will the rest of them be saved. And suddenly we begin to realize Paul is the most important, the most valuable person on board that ship. Now, he always was. They just didn't realize it until now. If Paul hadn't been along, they'd have already been sunk days ago. I want to ask you this morning, do you see how His presence preserved them? Do you see today how your presence preserves people around you? Like salt. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, right? One of the main things of salt is not that it just makes things taste good, it does, but it also is a preserver it's a preserver and one of the things that one of the reasons i don't believe the tribulation is going to come until christians are raptured out is because of this concept until the the salt is removed from the table we you and i as christians are preserving the world for this season as paul's presence on that ship resulted in god's grace on all the rest of them, most of whom were unbelievers. So keep up your courage. Men. Keep up your courage. Know this for a fact. Why? Because Paul has faith that his God will do what he says he's gonna do. And he always does. Amen? In the middle of the worst storm ever. Paul says in the King James Version. Be of good cheer. Are you nuts? Paul are you absolutely out of your mind? No. He is faithful. Full of faith in his God. Mark Belisle says that Paul became God's voice of hope. At the point of deepest despair. My brothers and sisters. That's exactly what you and I should be. As believers in almighty God. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be voices of hope. In this world of despair. Instead of always. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know. I'm worried. We should be voices of hope. In the middle of the world's despair. Who needs to hear your voice of hope today? Will you speak it to them? My guess is that somebody here needs to hear a voice of hope today. Let me speak it to you. Be of good cheer. God is in control. That's the good news. Paul says we'll be saved. The bad news is we're going to run aground on some island. The ship will be lost. And that's really bad news for the ship's owner. And so I'm sure they begin to wonder in their mind, can we believe him? He was right two weeks ago about not leaving Fair Havens, but you know, he's been at sea for two weeks. He hasn't eaten in a while. He could be hallucinating. We'll just see what's going to happen. Verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven, there's that word again, across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rock, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat And let it fall away. This was a two week storm. Hurricane John formed in the Pacific Ocean in 1994. It traveled over 7,000 miles affecting Hawaii as well as Alaska. It was a category 5 at one point and it lasted over 4 weeks the longest storm on record this one is half of that it's 2 weeks but still 14 eternal days 336 miserable hours and it's still raging They are still being driven across the sea. But now they could tell they're getting close to land. They could probably hear some waves hitting on the rocks or on the beach. And so they lowered the depth gauge to find out what what the depth of the water was. And they found out that they were moving into shallow water pretty quickly. Well, to keep from being driven into some rocks, they dropped four anchors from the back of the ship to slow her down. And it says... They prayed for daylight. Uh, There's no atheist in foxholes, are there? All of a sudden, everybody on board is praying. Doesn't say who they're praying to, necessarily, but they're praying. i got to tell you this morning, I prayed for daylight in the tree stand. A lot of times when it was so cold out, you couldn't imagine. But these guys were much more desperate than I've ever been. And so for better or for worse, this voyage... Is about to end But before it does A couple of the sailors Sneaky sailors They're going to try to sneak away In the lifeboat Okay, Let's take advantage of this op- Paul sees what's going on And he tells the centurion Julius If we don't all stay together We'll all drown separately And so under Julius' orders They cut the ropes The lifeboat falls away But did you notice something here? Something kind of subtle that took place right at this point. Julius the centurion is now listening to Paul the prisoner. Paul has taken charge of the ship just like he took charge of the courtroom back in Caesarea. Friends, storms don't create leaders, they reveal them storms don't create character they reveal it verse number 33 just before dawn paul urged them all to eat for the last 14 days he said you've been in constant suspense you've gone without food you haven't eaten anything now i urge you to take some food You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Now, obviously, God never made that promise to me, okay? I'm losing some of them. But Paul says, rub it up, dub. Let's get some grub. You're going to need it. You're going to need your nourishment and your strength so that what happens next, you'll be ready for. Verse 35, after he said this, he took some bread. He gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and begin to eat storm is still raging it's been raging for 14 days imagine thanking god instead of cursing him at this point this would have had an incredible impact on all of those uh, soldiers and sailors and prisoners and everybody else standing around as paul just bows his head and thanks the lord for his food Verse 36, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. And Paul is now not only calling the shots, he's the morale builder. They were all encouraged. Verse 37, all together, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Fish ate pretty good that day, didn't they? (laughs) Verse 39, when daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. Everybody say, finally finally daylight we thought it would never come finally land they didn't recognize the land but they didn't care at that point they were so desperate for land any land would do but they just got to get to it and so they're going to try to run the ship up onto the beach verse 41 but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground wouldn't you know it The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plans. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way... Everyone reached the land in safety. Amen? Everybody say, shoo! <laughs> Even their plan for beaching the boat didn't work. What's the old saying? If, if it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have none at all. <laughs> now it would be every man for himself, but you see, the, the soldiers could be killed if their prisoners escaped. And so to make sure that didn't happen, they were going to kill the prisoners. Before they could do it, Julius wouldn't allow them. And so those who could swam, those who could not swim, grabbed a piece of the boat that was breaking off. The sea was breaking it apart for them. They grabbed something and miraculously, miraculously, all 276 of them made it to the shore. Can you imagine how relieved they were? You ever been through a a, a car accident or something else and and it gets to the end and, and you get out and you stand there and... Whew! You just take that deep breath and you say, wow, thank God that is over. Can you imagine how drained they felt? And yet, how thankful... Sucking wind, spitting salt, but they were alive with a new appreciation for Paul and for Paul's God. Somebody goes around, they, they take roll, and lo and behold, all 276 of them are there. Now we're going to learn next time that they landed on an island called Malta. We believe that right in here is the exact spot where they came in. Over the last 14 days, they were blown 450 miles off course. Today, it is known as St. Paul's Bay. It looks kind of like that. didn't look like that when Paul and them arrived. Interestingly enough, Fair Havens, where they left from on the lower side of Crete, is also called St. Paul's. St. Paul began this voyage as a prisoner, but he ended up as the captain. These places are not called Julius's Bay. They're not called the Commander's Bay or the Captain's Bay. They're named after Paul. Paul was, is, and always will be the most famous person on that ship. God saved all of the rest of them, perhaps because Paul asked him to. I believe he probably, Luke doesn't tell us that, but Luke didn't hear all of Paul's prayers. But I'll bet you money, Paul was praying not only for himself, but for everybody else, because that's the way Paul did things. So now that they are safely on land, let's take a bit of a breath and consider what lessons we can learn before we finish today. First of all, as John Stott observes, Paul combines spirituality with sanity. He combines faith with works. Paul believed God that he would keep them safe, and he openly said so before all the people on board. But. He also warned them against sailing. He told the sailors not to escape. He told them all to eat some food. And so we see that Paul was a man of the Spirit. He was also a man of common sense. Just because we have faith in God doesn't mean we shouldn't use our common sense. The two are not mutually exclusive. Unless God overrules it, Use your common sense to help you in the storms of life. But listen to him and always do what he says, even in those times when it may contradict our common sense. You see, my friends, I trust God, but I also wear my seatbelt. I trust God, but I also pay my insurance premiums. I trust in God. But I also have antivirus protection on my computer. And now some in my system as well. Use your soul to trust in God. And use your brain to make good and godly choices. Paul did both. We should too. Secondly, I think this makes us ask today, how do we react in storms? Because we all get them. They all come from time to time. And as we said earlier, storms don't create leaders. They don't create character. They reveal it. Storms reveal how prepared we were before the storms hit. They reveal our character and our faith. Or they reveal the lack thereof. Paul rode this storm out without panicking. While everybody else was losing their mind as well as their cookies. That spoke mightily of Paul's God. Listen, my dear friends, people might not respect you today. They might not be paying any attention to you right now. That's okay. Keep loving them, keep serving them, and keep showing them Jesus anyway. And as the world goes to hell in a handbasket, don't panic. If we as Christians are all in a lather and we're all worked up about everything that's going on, how attractive is that going to be to other people? They're already scared. They don't need our fear on top of it. Jesus said, do not be afraid. We may not know what's going to happen next, but we know God wins. Amen? Paul boldly said, I have faith in God. Can you say that? Not just when all is smooth sailing, not just when everything is easy and the seas are calm, but even when your ship is sinking. I have faith in God. In the King James Version, Paul says, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Earlier today, we sang standing on the promise. There are promise after promise after promise after promise in this book. Do you believe him? Oh, my brothers and sisters, God keeps his word. Paul believed God. And so do I. Thirdly, this morning, storms don't. Uh, Storms often give us opportunities to witness for Jesus. Everybody say witness. Warren Wearsby says that Paul probably not only prayed for his fellow passengers, but that he likely shared the gospel with them as well. Now Luke doesn't tell us that in this passage. But would you expect Paul to have a captive audience of 276 people and not tell them about Jesus? Do you really think that would happen? Many of these people on board were pagans. They had no belief in in Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believed that if you died at sea, and if you could not be buried properly, you were denied entry into the next life, that your spirit or your ghost would hover over top of the water wherever you drowned forever. So many of them were not only worried about dying, they were worried about what was going to happen after that. I can't believe Paul would not have told them the good news about the peace Jesus gives. Amen. Oh, my friends, many of our fellow sailors in life believe a lot of crazy stuff too. The people we work with, the people we live beside, some of the people we're related with, some some believe in reincarnation and ghosts and all kinds of crazy. Give them the truth. Pray for them. Witness to your fellow passengers as you go through this life. Fourthly today, how about worshiping the God who saved you? Everybody say worship. Has God ever saved you from a storm? Ever saved you from a storm? Maybe it was a bad job. Maybe it was a horrible depression. Maybe it was a serious injury or some kind of bad illness. Maybe it was a failed marriage. Maybe it was bankruptcy. A controlling habit or an addiction or, or some friends, we've all had shipwrecks. Recognize God's saving work and praise Him for it. Oh, my brothers and sisters, this is calls for great worship. Recognize what he has done And let your heart overflow with gratitude Let it overflow with worship As you stand on the beach Sucking wind after that long storm And saying thank you Jesus Open up with worship and glory Has he has He brought us out of the pandemic? Worship him for that Ultimately he saved us From drowning in sin and hell He saved us from an eternal doom. Even though the earthly ships we all depended on were destroyed, he reached down, drew us up out of deep water, and set our feet on the solid rock. Can you worship him for that today? I mean, that just ought to motivate our our hearts to glorify him. If you've accepted Jesus and you know how great it makes you feel and so worship the god who saved you if you don't have that sense of of worship and thanks then then maybe we need to reconsider whether whether we are saved because i think if we when that really gets a hold of us we realize what god has saved us from the work that he's done nobody's going to be able to keep our mouth shut nobody's going to be able to keep our heart down it's got to explode And so today, if you've never trusted God, now is that time. Like Paul said, there's good news, there's bad news. I got to tell you today, the bad news is your ship is going down. Every single one of us in this room are going to die one day unless Jesus comes first. And so we got to start thinking about how we're going to get to the shore. Heaven's shore, Sister Diane talked about today. You may think your boat's not ever going to sink. Listen, it is. In the harbor, our boats look so big, so mighty. so... Oh, man, isn't that incredible? You get out on the big open sea. You get out in the storm. That boat is like this big. Tossed by the waves of life. That's the bad news. But the good news is Jesus saves. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Jesus is able to save completely. Those who come to God through Him. Everybody say completely. Not just part of the way. All 276 of them made it safely to the shore. God can save us completely through Jesus Christ. But we have to trust in Him. Don't trust in your good works. That's like trying to swim to the shore from six miles out. Okay, You're not going to be able to do that, my friend. Nothing else will hold you up. It's only after they abandoned all hope of being saved. Only after they depended totally and entirely on God that they were delivered. They even had to cut the lifeboat away. Did you notice that? How often we try to take the easy way out instead of the most obedient. Paul told them if you do that, others are going to die. And that reminded me today that sometimes others, uh, our lack of faith... Adversely affects other people. May we stop trusting in any other hope. Any other thing. And trust only and totally in Jesus. Trust him to forgive your sins. Trust him to save you. Trust him to get you safely into his harbor of love, joy and protection. All earthly ships will sink. Jesus never will.